Hey, and welcome to another episode of The Weekly Brew. It's good to have you here. If you are listening to this, you are part of the paid subscribers that I'm so, so grateful for that's supporting my work. And essentially what this is, is just me reading out The Weekly Brew. So it's an audio version of it where I just give a bit more thoughts and context to some of the things that I've written about this week. And it serves as a great mechanism of just... I guess, diving deeper into the topics that appear on the Weekly Brew. So let's dive in. This week, um, I've got a couple of things. But first, there's a beautiful quote that I'm contemplating by... It's it's a book that I read quite a long time ago. It's called Vagabonding by Rolf Potts. And it is an illustrious book that really takes you into the world of what it means to travel and how traveling can be this almost spiritual experience that many people don't really grasp. Uh, he, he uses this term in the book, I'm, I'm, I might butcher this, but he uses, it's called the Trustafarian. It's basically your your typical traveler that goes and uses their parents' money to travel and They don't really take in the experience because they haven't really earned the rights to travel. And I've been living in Europe for some time now and I've had to work for most of the travels that I've experienced here. And and I get it now. I do get it because majority of my life I've lived um, off of my mother basically paying for most of the travels that I've experienced and there's a different type of feeling you get when you travel to places with the money that you've earned. But Rolf Potts really gives the sense that the travel begins before you even go. And I couldn't agree more. It, it begins the moment you start thinking about it, start planning for it. And your travel experiences may be years in the future, but the planning itself is part of the travel. And I think that's so important to highlight. But he's got this beautiful quote in the book, and it's it's relevant to where I'm going in today's weekly brew. So I swear I see what is better than tell the best. Kind of butchered that. I swear I see what is better than to tell the best, wrote Walt Whitman. It is always to leave the best untold. And that's regarding stories or experiences that you have in life. We feel there's even more, even more so today, there is a compulsion to want to explain your experience or tell it or basically share it when you haven't fully articulated it yourself or synthesized it yourself, and when you have great experiences, you kind of want to hold on to it. Like James Fadiman, who's a psychedelic researcher, talks about it in the sense of psychedelics. And again, this will make sense further on in the part in the in the in the episode. But when you have a profound experience with a profound transcendental experience, you want to hold on to the gold. You want to hold on to the the message and refrain from telling it to the world. 
uh, I see so many YouTube channels and and blog posts of people exp- who who have sort of touched the hand of God, so to speak, and have rushed to tell the world their experience on a psychedelic. <clears throat> Instead of actually living the questions, and this is just a product of of the environment we're living in. I'm not saying it's wrong or right. I just think that there's something there that needs to be left untold so that you can integrate it more into your life before maybe telling it at some later stage. And when you do tell it, James Fadiman talks about you want to you want to explain it to people that are close to you and somebody who's going to receive it well because if you explain it to people that sort of disregard your experience, it can be quite dangerous in the fact that it it, it can seem as though it's it, it hasn't had the desired effect that you want. So you want to tell it to people that are very close to you and not necessarily your entire, you know, one million subscriber YouTube channel that hasn't got a close connection with you because these experiences are profound and meaningful. So it's a great book, but this quote came to me and um, I'm glad it did because up next, I've just got back from attending uh, Boom Festival in 2020. I've, I've just got back from attending Boom Festival, which is a massive uh, music and arts festival, predominantly psychedelic music, uh, psychedelic trance and techno in Portugal, in the remote um, countryside of Portugal, literally in the middle of nowhere. Um, if you would like to go to YouTube and um, I will put the links in the show notes, but the Boom Festival sort of has this like... Uh, this account of the full history of it, it began in 1997. That's two years after I was born. So it's been going a very long time and it grew exponentially. But th- this this YouTube video, I'll get the title for you quickly. Let me, let me do it for you. Uh, so it is called, um, it's called Boom Festival 20 Years. So this was released in 2018, but Basically, Boom had been going for 20 years since. The one that I just attended means that it's been going for 25 years, which is crazy. But I'll link it below. It's an hour documentary. And it just is so beautiful because it explains how many times this festival basically could never have worked or things went wrong. But the people involved and the community involved is just unparamount. The, the amount of cultures and people that come together every two years for this to take place is just incredible. And what's so beautiful is the last one was held in 2018. And obviously, you know, with COVID and things like that, the it, it, I waited four years, basically. I bought my ticket in 2019 to go to the 2020 edition. That didn't happen. 2021 didn't happen. So 2022 is when it did happen. But I started listening to psychedelic music and psychedelic trance in particular in 2018 when a good friend of mine um, took me to a psytrance party in Cape Town. And it was the mo- it was one of the most shamanic things that I had experienced at that time. It was profound. I Words can't describe the feeling of listening to 
that music and being free out in nature it's like the antithesis of a typical techno party if you if you want to ask me whereas you're not you're not like pinned down in some fucking dungeon i mean listen it, it is quite kind of fun sometimes being in that position and and i do enjoy techno but it's the antithesis of that it's outside you're in the mud you just so free you can do whatever whatever you want at boom festival people i've never seen so many naked people in my life i've never seen so many penises and boobs in my life like people just for a period of time people just let go and just live this 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 experimental lifestyle and you know is it sustainable probably not but it, it, somebody in the, in the in this documentary this this uh person said something which profoundly made sense to me he said that boom is a painting boom festival is a painting and it shows you what is possible it's not necessarily sustainable in the fact that you can't sustain that lifestyle for a long period of time but it shows society it's a mirror to society it shows what we could achieve when we come together and we live free and i want you to read the full blog post i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and uh explain it to you over the podcast um i'll probably release a a audio version on my podcast josh name podcast where you can go listen to it but again i'm gonna link it below it was fascinating to be at boom it was a profound experience I, I i couldn't do it all the time but festivals for me have always served as the ultimate resetting of the hard drive so living in modern society it is this it is a clearing of the cachet that gets built up in your mind you know your ram your ram living in modern society your ram gets the ram of the mind gets backed up so quickly and when you go to a festival, you switch your phone off, you connect with nature, you you connect with people, and you forget about the perpetual proving, striving, creating, curating, the 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 natural the naturalities of what we live in, which is okay. It's the modern world, but this is just a period of time where you where you completely out of that, and I love it. I personally love it, and anybody that knows me well knows that I don't. I don't do pubs anymore. I don't. I don't do pretty much. I don't do anything but CrossFit, creating content here for my website, and sleeping and eating well, and that's what I enjoy doing. And but festivals for me is the exception. Festivals is the one time where you can go, and for a period of time just be released from the the, the 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 slight grapple that society has on you so i love it <clears throat> excuse me got a bit of a, a, a groggy throat still still getting all the dust from boom festival out of my system and then la- and then lastly it well actually second lastly on today's episode there's an article that I was reading and I got this from Sean Baker's um, Instagram channel if you don't know Sean Baker he's this like seven foot tall fucking dude that just eats steak basically like i'm 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 meat-based in the sense that i eat mostly meat but i still drink coffee i still 
have keto snacks here and there. It's mostly meat, but Sean literally lives off of steak and he's this like fucking huge dude who's just insanely strong, scares the living shit out of me. But he shared this and I, I found it very interesting because it's something that I hold dearly, dearly, dearly in my heart. And the title of, this, the, title of the article is uh, A Perspective, Obesity, An Unexplained Epidemic. So I'm just going to read part of the abstract of the stu- of the of the study or the or the article that was written since 1980 obesity prevalence among us adults has soared from 14% to 42% wow that's 40 years it's it's gone from 14 to 42% the commonly accepted explanation is pervasive overeating ever increasing ed- energy intake as the population gains weight year after year However, evidence does not support this hypothesis. National data on energy intake and energy availability show increases between 1961 and 2000 during modern industrialization of food, but a plateau or decline thereafter, even as obesity continued rising and while physical activity modestly increased. Thus, Americans appear to be eating relatively less since 2000 for ever-increasing body sizes as time has progressed. And the way I describe this is so simple. I'm not too sure who first coined this phrase, but humans are overfed and undernourished. Humans are overfed and undernourished. So we are not suffering from a calorie deficit problem. We are suffering from a nutrient density problem. Calorie counting puts immense blame on the individual. There we go, again. So basically, you are fat because you have no self-control and you eat too much. I personally have lived majority of my life believing this illusion. Prior to 2014, prior to my um, transformation as a person through diet, it began through diet, I was under the illusion that Basically, I was fat and chubby because I had no self-control. And little did I realize that it was not so much the self-control as the relentless siphoning of calories that I was eating off into my fat tissues. And I was a binge eater and I did eat too much. But the food that I was eating was sending signals of unsatiation instead of sending signals of, hey, you're good, you can stop now. And that was a perpetual cycle for me. And I always returned to food as a safe haven, this this place where I felt loved and belo- and I belonged and where things made sense to me. So this article explains the fact that calories are not the issue it's not a it's not a case of calories in versus calories out because what matters more is hormones what matters more is the effect that the food has on your hormones if it's sending signals of satiation or sending signals of undernourishment through being insulin sensitive it it is a huge difference and it can make a huge difference to your life it really can but you have to replace your calories or something. So I'm going to get into this now is that I don't have all the answers and I believe that technicalities like counting calories are unsustainable. 
only you can walk the path. All I can do is offer a framework to shift your psychology and make life a bit easier. Once this sinks in, you're going to have the tools necessary to change. And I've got some stuff that I'm working on on my website, which I, I want to bring to you at a later stage. But this is the framework that, that's going to be there. I just want to lay it out for you. Essentially, number one is your health and well-being begins with your diet, period. So first step in your process is drop the processed carbs, especially liquids. So that's sodas, uh, shakes, fruit juices, whatever. And you have to replace it with meat. Listen to me, you have to replace it with meat because that is going to fill a void in you and you're going to need something. So prioritizing protein and fat at every meal, especially breakfast, is key. And guess what? If you still need your precious carbs, by carbs I mean uh, resistant starch, fruits, whatever you want, preferably not cookies or Oreos. But if you still need your carbs, save them for the evening. This saving them for the evening will keep you in a fat burning state throughout the day and it'll stabilize your blood sugar. And when you do eat them, you will be going to bed. So more than likely that slight little insulin bump or sugar spike is going to be put to good use. Okay, obviously, if you are diabetic or pre-diabetic, it's probably advised that you don't want to be eating carbs in the evening or carbs at all. You want to be sticking to as low carb as possible. So the context is everything. Secondly, move daily. This could be anything. This could be walking, CrossFit, yoga, cold plunging, naked tai chi, tennis, breath work, so honor your physical body by breathing deliberately. Breath work is an awesome way to move daily, but so is walking, so is CrossFit, anything that honors your physical body. And if you can get sun in your eyes first thing in the morning, that's even better. That's gonna send signals of wholesomeness to every single cell in your body you can't even imagine. It's gonna reset your circadian rhythm. It's gonna let your body know that all is well. and even when it's not seeming that way, I just want to tell you that all is well. Like all is always well. You you always have the availability of a profound sense of peace in your consciousness, whether you believe it or not. It is always there. So think about that for a second. <laughs> Be mindful. That's the third piece. Mindfulness is the glue that holds everything together. There's no point in having perfect abs if you're a pretty shitty person to be around. There's no point in doing this whole journey with movements and meat if you're not becoming a better a better person, a better spouse, a better, you know, cousin, brother, mother, auntie. We as humans need to evolve and be better for each other. It's not the paradox is that you're doing it. You're doing this for yourself so that you can do it for others because you want to be a better person to be around. It's as simple as that. We, we live in a tribe, in this massive worldly tribe, and we want to help each other. So mindfulness can be anything from meditation to journaling to journeying with psychedelics, therapy, being in nature, anything that connects you deeper with yourself and Mother Gaia, earth, below your feet, so I want to end this section off with the famous words from one of my good friends, Kelsey Bechalta. It doesn't have to be hard. And the way I describe this 
is it's as simple as this. Meat for your mind, movement for your body, and mindfulness for your soul. You hit each of those tenants every single day, you're good. You're good. You're very good. So lastly, I released a video on YouTube, um, high-intensity training versus zone two or cardio training. Go give that a watch. I'm not going to... I'm not going to give too, too much away, but essentially I talk about the process of my health journey and how it began with zone two training, essentially, you know, running on the treadmill and my health journey was a process. It wasn't something I didn't just fucking go full send carnivore or uh, jump into CrossFit and do handstand pushups first go. No, this it's a process and a lot of people forget about it they forget that it's a process. And I, I just want to remind you that it is a process. So if you're not seeing the results you're after, I would firstly urge you to consider the results that you are after because sometimes that can skew things in the wrong direction, i.e. if you are after a specific weight, that's a very dangerous slippery slope, which I can maybe speak about in a further episode. But secondly, just think about you being this amazing human in the world and how are you comparing yourself to people unnecessarily or are you enjoying the journey of just finding out more about yourself and becoming better becoming a better person to be around essentially so i'm going to leave it there oh i'm going to leave it there today and i hope you have a fantastic day again if you're listening to this i appreciate your love and support it goes a long long way to help people find my work and to help me keep things as ad free and quality as possible. So I will catch you in the next one. Cheers for now.